<laughs> so so heavy. <laughs> What's so on heavy. your mind? I don't know. I just don't know how to start the show, and you never start it, so. Because I'm the constant co-host. I don't gotta start the show. Oh my gosh, you gotta he, start he, it eventually. He. Okay. Welcome to the Strive Nation podcast, the podcast where we talk about the monotony of our daily lives. I'm Corey Estreen, joined with my constant co-host, Taylor Huff. How are you doing today? Fantastic. Fantastic. Like every other podcast. I would say, I say fantastic you, every pretty time. Much, how are you doing? Fantastic. I like that word. Fantastic. Well, it's better than saying, how are you doing today? Freaking horrible. Or, okay. This is a shitty day. I'm fine. No, fantastic. Yeah. I say that at work all the time too, though. Yeah, me too. It's like fantastic is the only word in my vocabulary that I can whip out. How? What is the word for good? Fantastic. That's the only thing I know. I think I got that from you. It's amazing. Superb. Amazing. Right. So great. What do we got going on today? What are we talking about? Today, we are talking about the movie Hillbilly Elegy. That is our main topic because... Because why? You made, you forced me to watch this movie. I didn't force... Well, okay, I kind of did. Yeah. I was like, this movie's so good. I watched it by myself at two in the morning and then I cried, so now you have to watch it. Yep. Yeah. Fantastic movie. No, we're talking about it also because there's a lot of controversy surrounding the movie. So we decided to watch it and want to give you our two cents, as always, and then kind of talk about what other people are saying. Yeah, and actually, we are going to... Every time we do a movie review, we're going to call it... What should we call it? Strive Nation Movie Club? Ooh. I don't know. But I like every it. time we're going to do a movie review like this, the review is going to take up entirety of our episode. So it's usually going to be pretty political. It'll probably take up our every other Wednesday episode. But we will let you know. Spoiler alert. It's an in-depth movie review. So uh, if you want to watch it, don't listen to this yet. Watch the movie, then listen to the episode. Yes. Or say screw it and know all the spoilers anyways. Right. Right. Yes. But first, but first, so we have. Loud. It's always loud. Okay. That's how I. That's how I roll. <laughs> but first, we have upvotes, downvotes. Yes. Okay. What's your upvote? My upvote is the Christmas present that I received today from Corey, and he got me a record player. But not just any record player. It's an old Victrola, but it also has like Bluetooth CDs. It can play cassettes even, which is kind of cool. I like that. Yeah, it's pretty beast. It's it, so pretty. The style of it's pretty cool. It's a nice deep espresso, brown espresso type look. Mm -hmm. It's Victorian, so it, it's got that aesthetic to it. Yeah. It's very, very cool. I love it. It's so pretty. Well, because your last Victrola was... <laughs> it was a hot pink suitcase from <laughs> Walmart. It was one of those uh, really, really cheap, uh, what, $25, $30 ones at Walmart yeah. that's like hot pink. Yeah, there's no way we were putting that out in our apartment. No. Not it, a chance. This one looks really, really, really nice. Yeah, it's fancy dancy and it freaking lights up and it's got all these old like rustic dials on the front. Yeah, I love it. It's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yes. So thank you for the Christmas present. Of course. Uh, what's your upvote? My upvote is that we have decided to rewatch Lost. So long story short, basically... What got me into watching all these TV shows, because I'm a huge TV show fanatic. I, I love it. I'm an enthusiast. I watch, I don't know, probably 40, 50 TV shows a year. And what got me into that was watching Lost for the first time with my family when I used to live back home. And it, it quickly became my favorite TV show. I, then I became a fan of J.J. Abrams. And that's where you saw like 
Damon Lindloff, Jack Bender, all these big time producers and writers and directors, they all got their start from that show. And uh, I just love the show. So we started to watch it because Taylor has never seen it. And I had to have her watch it. Yes. And now I'm addicted. Yes. And uh, I remember how much I love it because I probably haven't watched it in six years, something like that. Yeah. So I, I absolutely love it. It's a great TV show. And uh, we are on season two. Already. Yeah. I'm going to be so sad when it's over. I know. It's so good. I know. It's so good. Thank God we have this to watch, though, because there's not a lot of new TV shows coming out. <laughs> They're coming just slowly. <laughs> just really slowly. Just really slowly. Yes. The so. COVID is taking over the entertainment industry. <sighs> oh, well. It's fine. Everything's going Everything's going online. It's like HBO Max is like, mm-hmm. here, all of our movies this year are coming out on HBO Max at the same time. Enjoy. Yeah, that'd be awesome, though. Yeah, that's pretty Pumped. cool. So, yeah, that is my upvote. Yes. Down votes. My down vote is that I want a freaking towel warmer. And Corey won't allow it. He thinks that it's stupid and no. Yeah, actually, the idea of a towel warmer just pisses me off. I don't know why, but it's like it's like one of these things where like I'm sitting over here going, oh, wouldn't it be nice if if I got out of the shower and everything was so warm and cozy? And then I just think of like kids in Africa and it just pisses me off. Like the idea of like spending money, I don't know, 30, 40 dollars for something that bougie, like to where I don't need it. It's not a necessity, but I'm spending my money just so I can feel good getting out of the shower. Some for some reason, it triggers me. I'm like super freaking but here's triggered. the thing. There is nothing, nothing better than getting out of the shower and having a nice warm towel. Ugh, it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. So that that's both of our sides. She just likes to feel good. And I think about children that can't eat. So <laughs> I'm not taking money away from those children. No, I know. But it like, I just hate the idea of me being that bougie to where I'm, we, I spent money on a towel warmer. That's why Says I Says the man with the, the brand new iPhone. Yeah, but yeah, but the, that has utility to it. Oh, those have utilities. So the wallet that sticks on it—that's not a luxury. Well, it's it's <laughs> there's a utility, but it oh, is. Then I won't have to carry my other wallet. Oh, the truth comes out. Yeah, it's just. And then I could have warm towels. I wouldn't be cold all the time. Well, and where are we gonna store a, wa- a towel warmer in our apartment? Nowhere, because it's probably big. There's room for it in the bathroom. No, there isn't. Yes, there no, is. No, I'm pretty sure there's no room. People, tell me you're on okay. my side. That that is it for that. We're done with the towel warmer. Yeah, I don't even care. We'll talk about it all. We'll day. just agree to disagree on this towel warmer issue. Someone, my down vote. Yeah, your down vote. My down vote is my Pokemon Go Plus broke. Yes, <laughs> I do play Pokemon Go. I love it. It's fun, and I just started getting into it because they started coming out with this December. Came out with like a whole bunch of new features, super cool. And all my friends got hooked on it too because it's one of those games where you can't just play it casually. It's like. It's either your die hard and um, your Pokemon are your friends, or you just don't play it. And uh, I started to get back into it. It's very cool, but my Go Plus is broken, and I'm very upset. So, yeah. That first is my, world problems. The, first world pro- problems. That is my downvote. <laughs> Let's get into it. Yes. This movie, Hillbilly Elegy. is amazing. I loved it. Yeah, it was so good. A little about it first So it is a movie that's an adaption of J.D. Vance's memoir that he wrote in 2016. So it's all about his own life, his own personal experiences, what he went through. He grew up in the Rust Belt in Ohio, but his family's originally from the Appalachian region in Kentucky. 
And so it shows a lot of that region in the Appalachian Mountains about his family, the culture that's there, and then also shows the culture that they have in Middletown, Ohio. His grandparents moved up there to have a better life. And that was back in the 50s and 60s when like the steel industry is booming. There's a lot of jobs. That's obviously not the case anymore. So he kind of shows that generational poverty and how that impacts families, especially in rural areas. It also covers uh, his mother has addiction in the movie, watching her go through that, how it got started, how a lot of people in that area had family or relatives or a friend that had addiction. It also shows his journey from being in that Middletown, Ohio and working his way up to prove that he can become something and not stuck in that like the gear, like the cogs of that machine. So he ends up going into the Marines. He then goes to Ohio State, graduates in two years, which is insane. And then he also ends up going to Yale Law School. And that's where the movie kind of picks up mostly. He works three jobs in the movie. It's just really, really inspirational. It's like a little short mini synopsis. Yeah, I love the movie. Um, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's it super hit home too on a lot of levels. You know, you watch that movie and you find it relates to basically anyone that that grew up in a in a rural America. It really, mm-hmm. really relates to you on a on something. I think a lot of people who grew up in the city won't understand or won't get the feel of. Yeah, because the the tone and the atmosphere of the movie was I don't want to say identical, but damn, it was close to how I grew up. So close. Like how it how it feels. Like mm-hmm. just the amount of detail that was put into the setting and the and the tone of the movie. In the beginning, the kid or riding his motorcycle or motorcycle, his bicycle, <laughs> his bicycle down the road past all like that is where my grandparents' house used to be. Like I, I can see it. You know, yeah. I. It's so crazy to me how close they got it. Mm-hmm. The amount of research that that they took um, into consideration when creating the the, the, the world setting building, and the world building. Right? Yeah, like the grandma's house. You look at it and you're like, yeah, I've seen someone's like a grandma's house look like that or an aunt's house and right. It's just anyone who's grown up in rural America can relate to this movie in one way or another. Right. Like either the setting seems really familiar to you or you have a friend that maybe went through some of the same things that J.D. Vance's family did or like you yourself go through those those experiences. It's just extremely relatable. Yeah. I mean, there was, there's obviously with all films, there's things that I, I there's a couple things I maybe didn't like. Most of it was, it was pretty good. I, I liked most of the film. Yeah. Before we get too far though, what would you say out of a hundred would be your review? If you had to get a number out of a hundred, what would you give it? Oh man. I don't know. I really, really enjoyed it. I watched it twice. Yeah. Well, yeah, you watched it <laughs> twice and then I watched it once the next time. I don't know. It's. In the 80s? Yeah, I would give it high 80s. I would give it high 80s. I would give it like an 88, probably. Yeah, somewhere high 80s for sure. Yeah. Like, I would watch that movie again. It's a movie where if people haven't watched it, I want to encourage them to be like, you should watch this movie. Right, like you should definitely watch this movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say high 80s. Okay. Yeah, I think everyone can find something to relate to in this movie, which, I mean, is obviously the goal is to be able to relate and realize you're not the only person or family or neighborhood that's went through this. A lot of the scenes in the movie were kind of awe-inspiring. What's the word? Shocking, I guess, mm-hmm. is what I would use. Because I look at uh, Haley Bennett's character, Lindsay, like my sister. I look at Amy Adams' character as my mother. Like, their kind of personas are very close to the experiences I went through as a child. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just hit home for me. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah, I think that's what I relate to a lot too is in the movie, they it heavily talks about someone with addiction. Vance's mom, Bev, she suffers from addiction. And if you've ever seen it up close, her actions, like her behaviors that she has is spot on. You know, I grew up in a family where there was a person that had an addiction and watching it so closely portrayed on a movie. I've never, I guess I've never seen that before. Like seeing it portrayed like so raw and so real. So I think that was something that really hit home to me. Yeah, well, I mean, it was scary. Like it was so real. The performance by Amy Adams, it was scary to watch. Oh, yeah. Because if you've been in the situation like that. You get like, chills. Right. You get chills, you know, and, and, and Amy Adams, like the the character of Bev, like she, yeah, she had addiction, but she had serious mental issues. Like she has serious mental issues. Yeah. In the movie. Like it's not just. unstable. It looks like she has dissociation. Like there is multiple levels of mental, of mental disorders in that movie mm-hmm. that she has, which the, then the addiction just compounds all of that to yeah. such a high level. I know what it's like to not want to enable your loved ones to do things, but at the same time, they're your loved ones, and you and you always want to be there for there for them when they need you most. Mm-hmm. But it, it's a it's a weird balance whether whether you should help someone, shouldn't help someone, just because they're family. You know, mm-hmm. tugs at your heartstrings a lot. Yeah. Oh, for sure. They, the movie follows um, J D Vance's character very closely, like Super it, all closely. of his all of his emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The child actor that played him did an amazing job. Yeah, the the child actor was freaking amazing. He the was... Owen uh how do you pronounce that? Astelos? Sure. At, at <laughs> Owen Astelos. Yeah, he did amazing. I thought to be honest and I'm not to, not to uh bash on uh Gabriel Basso. On, right, but the the kid, I thought he was absolutely amazing. I thought Gabriel Basso was good. He was good. I thought he was good. I just thought the kid, it, I feel like as a kid actor, a child actor, That's extremely it's hard. hard to play those roles. Yeah. And he, I mean, just in his interactions with Amy Adams, it reminded me, like, not so much of the, like, abusive Amy Adams in this movie, how mm-hmm. she, how the character of Bev was abusive. Yeah. But, like, how he felt towards her, mm-hmm. like, that straight up reminded me of my childhood. Yeah. Like, straight up. And then being also like scared at how my sister, my interactions, my, my sister would have with people like that, mm-hmm. you know, like that is absolutely insane. Yeah. My thing too is obviously when I first watched the movie, I watched it because I heard of all this controversy and the critics and I'd listened to a couple of JD Vance's interviews on it. So I wanted to watch the movie and kind of get my own perspective. And a lot of people were talking about how it was all the reviews, all the critics were saying that it was super political. It was pushing a conservative agenda. I, that just kept coming up. S- extremely political, extremely poli- political. I don't think it was a political movie whatsoever. Well, and here's the thing. The only way, which is, which is this, this gets tied to like the political landscape because of the good, the positive supposedly American message that it sends, right? Yeah. If you go up through something really hard, something really horrible, something traumatic, something difficult, you can always work out of it with hard work and um, perseverance and persistence, right? Mm -hmm. That's supposed to be an American ideal, not a conservative ideal. Yeah. It's supposed to be American. And right now, obviously, if you're a hard left individual, the mainstream media entertainment, they're attacking those ideals heavily. Mm -hmm. Like anytime you support America, anytime you support conservative ideals or American ideals, the American flag, working hard, all of these things, they want to destroy that. 
Yeah. Um, what do they call it? Disintegra- uh, disintegrationism? Is mm-hmm. that what it was? Yeah, disintegrationism. Yeah. So they, they pick these things out of the movie, even though no one, even Ron Howard, I don't think originally believed it to be inherently... Con- no, like a conservative he, this movie's about conservatism no you know, conservatism. i mean and he, ron howard is obviously not a conservative like, yeah he straight up talks about it he said that the reason he wanted to direct this film is he's never felt so strongly about a script matching his childhood he said when he read the script he said i knew exactly where this took place i could see the like the road in my hometown where this happened he related to it so much right is it in the same way we related to it like yeah. it's like you're watching this movie and you're just your eyeballs are freaking three times their natural size because <laughs> it's hits so close to home like you just feel what the character is going through because you went through it yeah like you know what this is like yeah exactly. especially someone people who lived up in the country the midwest you know mm-hmm. that's crazy yeah so i it just blows my mind how people are like it's so like political i'm like yeah because the reviews on this movie are not good they're pretty terrible like they're um, yeah yeah, so we said we personally would give it, what, like in high 80s? Yeah. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 25%. I think it's a little bit higher now as the oh, reviews are coming through. I think it's around 30, 35, but still. But still. Yeah. Mid-30s for this kind of movie. Yeah. That's insane. It is unreal. The audience reviews are all coming in higher. Yeah, I think the t- the average for audience is around 85, 86, something like that. Yeah. Like, so so obviously there's a huge disjoint between what critics think, which is obviously the part of media conglomerates. mm -hmm. They're going to be very, very left swing. They're going to be part of the whole disintegrationist view. Yeah. But that's, I mean, we'll talk about this more later, the the denigration of Hollywood and the media and how it affects pop culture, our entertainment, our Mm -hmm. artistic expression. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I wanted to read two reviews real quick, not full reviews, obviously, but just quotes from different reviews. And then we can kind of talk about how we disagree with them. Yeah, go for it. (laughs) What have you. Uh, So this one is from Jacob in Magazine. And I've heard of them before. This reviewer says, it seems they've covered everything. It's phoniness and inaccuracy in representing Appalachian life. It's callous conservative politics advocating personal responsibility to pull oneself up from systemic multi-generational poverty. It's maddeningly shapeless flashback, clotted narrative, and it's relentless boring effect. How do you feel about that? How am I supposed to feel about that? Um, Obviously frustrated. Yeah. Frustrated. Extremely frustrated. It's like sometimes you look at these critics. If a movie specifically doesn't tie in with the narrative they're trying to push, they just, they find any reason to destroy it. Mm-hmm. And especially with uh, him, ta- him talking about the flashbacks. The flashbacks pushed the, the narrative so heavily. It was a yeah. very, very balanced tie-in between modern day mm-hmm. and wh- what he went through as a kid. And it would tie, it would go back and forth. Yeah. And you had to have that there. It was you had to have that context. To right. You had to have that context. Otherwise, you have no idea. You wouldn't understand the gravity of his sister calling again and right. being like, oh, mom OD'd. Like, you wouldn't understand any of that without the flashbacks. And his family ties, Appalachian ties... Yeah, I think those flashbacks were hugely important. Also, those were, like, the most dramatic and, like, important parts of the movie were all those flashbacks. Because he was going through it as an adult. 
Mm-hmm. And and the whole point was to provide context of what he's going through now, what he went through as a kid. Like yeah. like it's a reoccurring kind of a system. Like cycle. It's a cycle of a generational cycle between the mother and they explain this. The movie's mm-hmm. very very in depth with its generational cycle. Like oh, for sure. what the kids went through, what, you know, what they Glenn even, Close's character went through. I would say, yeah, they even go as far back right. as to, you know, about his sister and his childhood growing up. Then you even get pushed back to what his grandparents, how they were as parents to his mom and his aunt growing up. Like you see every single generation, how they grew up and how it has impacted every single generation. Just the whole point of the movie. Well, it's hyper and it's hyper focused too. The, yeah. the movie is hyper focused on the addiction part and the generational problems that you With go through. With this specific family. With this specific family. Like that's what it's the movie is about. It's not a generalization of all Appalachian families or generalization of all Ohio Rust Belt families. Yeah, and it's super effective that way. Oh, exactly. Any, I mean, that's why it's su- that's what's so frustrating about a lot of these critics. I'm like, you have to be a freaking idiot to say some of this stuff. I don't understand. I just don't understand how you can come from that point of view and say this is bland. It's also someone's life. Oh, yeah. Also, it's a happened? historical retelling of someone's life, actual life. <laughs> like this all from happened. someone who's still living. Yeah. Like, I, I I guess I'm not understanding. It's like, oh, you wish it was more dramatized or theatrical in nature. This is actual real life. It doesn't get more more uh more, more real, real than that. Yeah. It also I mean, it wasn't a boring movie. No, I know. I was glued to it. I was yeah. absolutely glued to it. Like, I don't know how much more theatrics you need. Like his mom is in the middle of the street screaming. Well that's and her arm is cut open because she tried killing herself. Right. Well that's like, not that's not the point anyway. <laughs> the point it's a memoir, right? Yeah. It's, it's like Jesus, people. Yeah, so that was one of the reviews. That was kind of like a general overstatement of the movie. A lot of reviews I kept seeing, I also saw J.D. Vance comment on it too, is a lot of people were commenting on Glenn Close's acting in the movie. Um, So this one is actually from The Atlantic, and they said that this was the worst movie of 2020. Uh, That was the title of this review. Wow. (laughs) It's not biased at all. No, not at all. Uh, So this was, this is the part about Close, uh, about Glenn Close as Mama. Close's performance in the film tends towards steely goofiness. Dressed in a fright wig and baggy sweatshirts, she bustles around every scene cursing and yelling tough love homelies at a camera lens. Adam's work is unfortunately calibrated, a gross pantomime of suffering that sees her screaming dialogue to the heavens as if pain can be understood by viewers only if it's expressed at the highest volume. I mean, I disagree with this. The thing I noticed is I thought Glenn Close did an amazing job. I think it's one of the best things I've ever watched her do. So yeah. Like, like I, I'm honestly, if you're someone who's an actor, both of us are actors. Yes. Both of us has watched thousands, probably thousands of movies and TV shows at this point. Easily. We've been in our own productions, etc. There is no way that you can say objectively. That she did a poor job. That she did a poor job. Like yeah. it just, it's not even on the table to say. No. Same thing with Amy Adams. Quite possibly one of her best performances. Oh, I believe it's like, Amy it's Adams' best performance. Yeah, it's up there. It's, it's easily so up there. It's so different from anything she's ever done. It's not like the cute bubbly young girl who falls in love like this is a real gritty character for her right and it's substance like there, there's so much substance, substance to the character versus some of the other yeah things she's and she did so well and then, i mean it just irritates me because i didn't think glenn close did such an amazing job and also like you're talking about her wig or how she acted her mannerisms 
Those were how Vance's mamaw actually acted. Well, like that, the, those were her behaviors. Right, and you talked about Vance's, what, uh, mother, the actual, actual Bev went and saw oh, Glenn yeah. Close at set. Yeah, so he was on Megyn Kelly's inter- er, uh, podcast, and he was talking about his him and his mom had went down to the set in Atlanta, and she saw Glenn Close as mamaw, and she teared up because it looked identical to her. I mean, it's crazy. If you look at the photos of Mama before, and then obviously Glenn Close's adaptation of Mama, exact they're, same. they're damn near identical. Yeah. Like, it's absolutely like, insane. You're not paying attention, you wouldn't realize it's two different people. No. Yeah. And she also spent, her and Amy Adams both spent a ton of time with the family. Amy Adams spent a lot of time with Bev, really wanting to understand what she went through and what was fueling her, like what her thought process was in all this. They spent a lot of time together. And that's why Bev felt comfortable um, being able to end up watching this movie because Amy Adams made her feel so comfortable and said, I want to see what was behind your eyes. Not like she didn't want to portray some like phony, like, oh, you're an addict. Like she wanted to really get in depth and understand the person it was based on. And same with Glenn Close. She was asking them questions like, well, how did mama hold her cigarette? And then you have like 10 family members trying to explain it. None of them can explain it, but she sees old family videos of her and is able to replicate it. She's able to replicate these like twitches she used to have. It's just, they did such an incredible job. Yeah. And I can understand part of it. Like, I don't know how dark and deep they wanted to go, but they do not show really Amy Adams character in the act of doing a lot of these things. Do you notice that? Yeah. They don't. And I think that's artistically done for a reason. I think it was intentional. Right? Yeah. Like the the, the fear of knowing she's doing them without actually seeing it. Mm -hmm. You know, like you see the aftermath. You see what it does to her body. You see what it does to her face, her hair. Like she looks like a freaking wreck. Well, I, I think that was definitely intentional too. Because when you are someone who grows up with an addict, you... Don't see you don't see them doing a right. lot of you this a lot of time. You don't see that they hid the liquor bottle in the bathroom from you. Right. Like you don't know that they actually have booze in their truck and they drive down the road, fill up a drink, and then drive. Like it's it's the things that they do when no one's looking with it. Yeah, when no one's looking, and yeah. it's coming from Vance's perspective of he knows she's doing something, but he doesn't know exactly what it is. What and when and where? Yeah, I think that was highly inf- well, and effective. also the the one time they do show her like when when they're in the ho- the motel six or whatever. Oh yeah, when they're the in end. there and he finds her in there, like he breaks down the door and it, like you see it for the first time, like her doing it. Like, mm-hmm. right there, he sees it. And this is when, you know, after he helps her the whole day. Yeah. You know, and the amount of struggle that this family goes through, him willing to just unload all of his credit cards just to pay for her. Do you yeah. not have any idea how much that affects someone's livelihood? Mm-hmm. Like, going through that? Oh, like, yeah. Like, you know, and, and here's the thing, he didn't even think about it. He's like, here, here's $3,000 I don't have. Here's on a credit card. Just do what you can. Here yeah, you go. Yeah, he didn't even second guess himself. Like, uh, said- because the kid, the kid couldn't afford to pay his tuition. It is. And he, he obviously deserved it. The kid yeah. went through crazy, crazy upbringing, you know, where his mom loves him, obviously, but she's going through this insane, I don't even know what mental issues. I can't just ascertain what they are. Yeah. But issues where she's, she's beating him up and she's. She's hitting him and she's uh, verbally, verbally abusing him. All these things. But she actually loves him. That's the thing. Yeah. She loves him. It's a lot of times she just, it takes you to a place where you don't even understand really how damaging that stuff can be if you don't get help. Yeah. She does eventually get help, by the way, guys. She does. She's been sober for six, yeah, six in years. Yeah. In the end, in the end <laughs> everything is good. It does have a heartwarming ending. So Yeah. 
Yeah, um, she's sober now. Right. Yeah, I just can't believe those reviews. I can't imagine being him and reading those vans because it's based off of his childhood. Because I was reading those and like I was mad. Yeah, I, I mean, was like, "How can you say that?" It's frustrating, and that's that's why I'm, I that's why I talk about the disintegration of American entertainment and media because it's not about whether something's good or not. And, yeah. and here's another thing. It doesn't matter whether you whether you thought the movie was poorly done, which is fine. You can have that point you of view. You can have that opinion. But it's I don't it's real. The story is real. Yes. Right? And and here's another thing. It's historically accurate. It's from mm-hmm. his point of view as someone who went through it, right? A exactly. memoir. Yeah. So regardless of whether you think it lacks diversity, like a lot of a lot of oh, the, the critics are saying. Complaint, yeah. It doesn't matter that it lacks diversity. It's historically accurate. Mm-hmm. Maybe he didn't have a lot of interaction with with black Americans at the time. Yeah. Maybe, you know, I... I or he didn't have a gay best friend. Right. Like, it doesn't matter. It yeah. doesn't matter because that's not what happened. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what's frustrating is, like, all these movies are pushing, like, the Oscars, you know, and the... And the yeah. Uh, what the, Their guidelines now. The Academy. The Academy. It's not, it's not even about whether films are good anymore. It's about how much representation's in the film. Yeah. Can we... Can it's Which is crazy because you look at films like... What was that film came out last year? 1819? The uh, World War yeah, that was, movie? Yeah, 1918. 1918, yeah, thank you. Yeah, that movie was freaking amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. It was shot entirely almost shotgun style. Yeah. There's no other representation in there because it's about a couple of white dudes. Well, yeah, because it happens in 1918. Yeah. Like, it's just crazy to me. Yeah, it's... it's uh, What's going to end up happening is that there, the stories being told are only going to be about, like, for example, if it's about a black American or, or a transgender or something, mm-hmm. they're going to go out of their way to find these stories and only tell these stories. Yeah. Because that's the only way to remain historically accurate. Or you start... Or you, you have start, to write these characters into films right, even and though it's, it's not accurate. Well, and then it's not accurate, which is what's happening. Yeah. You see it all the time. Look at it happening in video games. Mm-hmm. You know, they're putting all these, like, women fighting in COD and stuff like that. No, they weren't. You know, they weren't. You can pick a lead, a lead freaking female to to play in nineteen or whatever. No, mm-hmm. they weren't. But they weren't on the front lines battling with the men. Yeah, it's not historically they, accurate. It's not historically accurate, which is it's frustrating. And then people are getting upset about it and down and down rating all these enter- entertainment media, TV shows, movies, video games. They're down. They're they're rating them poorly because of it. Yeah. So it's not historically accurate. Apparently not. It's not historically accurate. No. Like, why would also why would you want someone to? Okay, so you want someone to add false narratives into their movie memoir just to appease like certain audiences? Right. It's like it's like oh, I don't feel represented. Okay, then go watch something where you do feel represented. If you don't want to watch, yeah, it's the same thing as like when people talk about Mandalorian. It just like irks me. Oh yeah, they're not yeah. enough female representation. It's like, like when it turns out that okay, most of the characters in the, in the show the are cast female. Is like freaking badass fighting women. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, not know. enough representation though. You no. Got freaking Rosario Dawson in there. SJW is coming after it. You know, <laughs> it's like oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, here's the thing. Take the film for what it's worth. You know, look at the message. Look at the themes. Because mm-hmm. the theme of, of this movie is quite possibly one of the, the most important messages that one can tell today in our culture. Oh, for sure. Especially, I think it's extremely important, too, in 2020. 20, that's what I'm saying. Especially with, like, like right the, now. With disintegrationism and everything. Yeah. Like, it's so important because right now those those ideals are getting destroyed. They don't want you to know that. They want yeah. you to basically establish a victim narrative, blame the world, separate people into victim and oppressors, 
and then conduct yourself that way. And never think that you can pull yourself out of it. Never think that. Right. Because that's what people do. Yeah. Everyone else, everything that happens to them is someone else's problem. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe, maybe just for one moment, maybe consider that even if it, even if it technically isn't your fault, maybe just, just play the cards like it is and then do your best to pull yourself out of it. Exactly. Well, Vance, none of that was his fault. No. It wasn't his fault he was born to a generational impoverished family. It's not his fault that his mom was an addict. Right. It wasn't his fault any of this happened. I mean, his mama was there to support him and, like, help him be, like, stop being, like, a shithead. Get yourself together. Right. But he chose, he actively made that decision every single day to pull himself out, to work harder, to be better. Right. There's so many facets, too. It's not just like J.D. Vance as a kid. You get to see him get horrible best friends oh, or yeah. close friends, right? Get in with drugs. Get in with... He he had to watch his mom have multiple different bad boyfriends or, mm-hmm. or husbands even. Constantly moving in and out of different houses. Right. That and, and struggle with his with his, someone that he respected at the time, Mama, tell him that he can't do this anymore. Like, if, she, if he's going to live with her... He's going to conduct himself appropriately. He's mm-hmm. going to do his homework. He's going to he's going to study. He's going to pick up after himself. He's going to wash the dishes. Yeah. You know, he's not going to steal. She was teaching himself reliance. Right. The tough love message, I don't care what all these critics say. You do you have any idea how important that is to raising children? Do you have it's any idea? It's important. It's vital. Yeah. To raising children. Which uh, I mean we can go into that, but that's another reason why so many of uh millennials our age are having the issues that they're having participation trophies oh jesus like give me a break here. you know the parents giving in solid parenting is hard to find nowadays yeah it's very like hard to I, find. I understand wanting to give your child more than what you had i 100 agree with that but the whole babying them not having them have to deal with any suffering or anything no you got to learn that stuff is gonna suck and you got to get out of it yeah like it's so that's extremely important for kids. You have to fail in order right. so you can succeed later. Well, and that's the American dream, what isn't it? Yeah. Struggling through the difficulties of life because life is horrible. Life is is the ultimate challenge, right? Life itself. Yeah. It's horrible. The whole point of your existence is to find the good things despite the horrible things. Exactly. To and overcome these obstacles. To overcome. And that's and that's what American ideals were were built on. Yeah. Is that idea. And if you can go over that and find the good things, like more power to you. Mm-hmm. He falls in love at the end. He get, he gets he gets married. Yeah, you know his mom gets better, and that's the whole point. Yeah, it's an American dream, but the American dream is racist. Apparently, the, Ameri- the American dream is racist. It's just not woke. So it's not woke enough. Therefore, nope. we don't need to tell about the American dream. <laughs> well, and and what what people would say is you don't understand the lived experiences of other people. I'm like, technically, this is a lived experience and you're ignoring it. So I don't want to hear anything. Well, yeah, that's my thing. I'm like, you're ignoring a lived experience because it's not exactly like you. Right. So, so it doesn't go along with the specific narrative that you're trying to tell, like we always talk about. So you're going to ignore it. But when it's convenient for you, then you can you can talk about lived experiences. Yeah. Okay. But here's the thing. If this movie, say exact same script, written the exact same way, if this were to happen to a child in like inner city Chicago... Good would the reviews have been then? Probably amazing. It, it'd be 99%. Yeah, about him fantastic. overcoming all these obstacles and like how he strived to succeed. Right. And there are movies about that. Yeah. And they get good reviews. Exactly. That That's what's funny. It's like, oh, I just can't. because it's, it's about a white kid in rural America. Lesson learned, people. You just can't trust the media. You can't trust journalism. And you can't trust 
critics. Yeah. Don't, yeah. If you like a movie, great. Just learn to articulate yourself and rationalize your opinions of why the movie's great. Mm-hmm. Well, what I thought was funny, too, is so the book was written in 2016, right? When it came out, it was it was a New York Times number one bestseller, right? So everyone loved the book in 2016. It was toted by New York Times, one of the eight books you should read to understand Trump's win in America. Everyone was talking about how this was a book into Trump's America and how to learn about these people, quote unquote, hillbillies and rednecks and like learn about them. Like everyone was talking about how great this book was. And now four years later, what I've heard J.D. Vance talk about, the movie is very, very, very similar to the book. Like it has most of the same like examples and everything in there. But now all of a sudden four years later, everyone thinks it's trash or because it doesn't go along with their ideals. Yeah. It's one of the few times where you watch a movie and because of the movie, you want to go back and read the book. Oh, I for sure. I'm going to buy the book now. Yeah, same. <laughs> Even if I'm just buying, I mean, I'm going to read it and I'm sure I'm going to enjoy it. But I want to buy the book just to support him. Right. Yeah. That's what happens. I just find these people I really like and then I buy their books just to be like, F you leftist. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful <laughs> it's a beautiful story of triumph. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's awesome. And especially with Glenn Close, man. She just killed it. I know. She, she killed amazing. it so hard. Yeah, it's just like card playing, like her in their house and card playing. The sheer amount of, and the Mentos, the Mentos on the table. It's just yeah. like the things, the smoking and the things that she did in her house, the little tiny things that Ron Howard had implemented in the to build the build the world mm-hmm. was crazy to me. I'm just like I, I'm in awe at the world building that, yeah. that took place. It's like how do you look at a film and give it that rating? Yeah, when specifically off Glenn Close's performance you would automatically have to have to give the film a high rating. Like I, yeah, exactly. And then you add all the el- other elements to it. Yeah, you had freaking Amy Adams in there just oh, crushing man. it. Yeah, she just killed it. The, yeah. And, and the, what, they put on prosthetics and body, uh, what, bodysuit? I mean, because she does not weigh that much. No, yeah. I don't know what they did. They must have done, yeah, like, but heavy either way, prosthetics. She, did fr- she was freaking amazing. Yeah. You know? And I, Glenn Close wore Mama's actual glasses, which I thought was a really neat fact. Oh, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, because you were talking, yeah. we're watching the movie, and Corey's like, God, those fucking glasses. <laughs> well, here's the thing. She looked like the freaking grandma from Up. It was like Up Grandma. Yeah. You know? that, she like She looked exactly. Punched over, baggy t-shirt, yeah. giant glasses. Yeah. Which, here's the thing. We all have seen that grandma. Oh, no, no. Yeah, we all we, had grandmas like that. We all know a grandma yeah. like that. And you were scared to death of that grandma. Yeah, that's why you relate so heavily to it because it's like, oh, like yeah. I have that grandma. Like every like good grandmas should be like that where they're they're there to to beat the crap out of you when you do something wrong yeah. and discipline you. And and you respect them so heavily because they're your, they're not just your elders, but they're they're some people that you love, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, she's there for you if they're you ever need anything. want you, you know? to do better in your life. Right. And JD freaking ended up living with her because you know, she understood that the mom was beyond you know, if she if she it, wasn't going to do anything if JD for him. kept going the way he was, that he was going to ha- you know have difficulties in life. Yeah. So it was a large part of his success. I feel like he probably would attribute to his uh, mama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful situation. I love what she said about the uh, in the she loves watching Terminator movies. <laughs> oh, that was so good. And then um, she which that was just funny. That was such a sweet moment. Um, but she talks about people being good Terminators, bad Terminators, and neutral Terminators. Yeah. And talking about how she was a good Terminator, but her husband, she doesn't say it 
because obviously you're not going to say it to a kid. Right. But we get, like, you figure out that her husband and obviously Bev, Vance's mom, are bad Terminators. Right. And he asks, like, oh, can I be a good Terminator? And he's like, yeah, you're you're good. Like, you're someone who's going to impact change into this family, and you're going to be able to take care of this family, and you're going to go places. Well, it's like uh, it's like uh, Jordan Peterson talks about the, the balance between chaos and order, right? Yeah. And there's people who bring about order, and there's people who bring about chaos. For, mm-hmm. for different reasons, obviously. Different reasons, yeah. But you know that she was part of the order, mm-hmm. you know? I loved it. Yeah, it was a beautiful film. Absolutely uh-huh. beautiful. I'd watch it again. Oh, 100%. Like, <laughs> I, I want to bring the Go Home for Christmas. Definitely tell everyone to watch it. Oh, for sure. Yep, 100%. Yeah, it was amazing. Ron Howard also said when they were filming, I forgot what scene it was. Uh, they are filming one of like the la- the later scenes. And he said that once they got done filming that scene, that everyone on set was talking like, oh, that reminds me of like this growing up or this reminds me of this. Like, it's not just us that we can relate to it. Everyone on set was finding something that they could relate to or saying like, this reminds me of back home. And it's these people who are from all over the place, like all over the world, and they can still find something to relate to. A really impactful film. Right. And and also like you you feel it, you know, when you were a kid mm-hmm. and you went to school and you maybe maybe for example something was happening and you were struggling with grades. When yeah. you come home with a test and you're super proud of it, going up to someone you love, your parents, your grandparents, whatever, and saying, Hey, I did the best in the class, I had one of the best grades, look. Like the feeling of accomplishment and mm-hmm. how proud they they are, you know? Yeah. And seeing that on their face. That's showcased in this film. There's so many moments in this that are so important, like reminiscing about yeah. about your own childhood. You know, I feel like a lot of people can associate themselves with things that went on in this film. Mm-hmm. Go watch it. So basically, go watch Hillbilly Elegy on Netflix. Mm-hmm. It is a beautiful film, even though Netflix has increased their uh, monthly subscription fee oh, now yeah. <laughs> to seventeen ninety nine. Doesn't matter. It's worth. It's still worth. <laughs> Yeah, definitely watch the film. We will be doing more of these reviews as very controversial or impactful movies come out to us. Thank you for listening. We have bi-weekly show uploads on Wednesdays, every other Wednesday. We have one more episode left of season one of this year, which is crazy. And then we're starting season two for 2021. Yeah, see, because 2021 is a different year. So now we have to start a a season two. We start all over. Yeah, 2020 is over. And that was the entire idea behind the podcast. I know. So now we have to ride the wave, ride the COVID wave into 2021. (laughs) No, end the COVID wave. (laughs) End the COVID wave. (laughs) Yeah. So we're excited about it. We'll let you know on our socials. Yes, please, please, please follow those, um, especially our Instagram and Facebook. That's where we put out a lot of information. It's also fun for y'all to like follow along and see what we're up to and, you know, maybe meet some people in the comment section that think the same way as you. Have conversations. That's what it's all about. And FYI, big FYI, guess what? Strive Nation podcast is on YouTube. We have five episodes uploaded. Go and watch it. Granted, there is no video, but that is something we're definitely thinking about looking into in in season two. So if you want to subscribe on there, that's also another way you can listen. Corey's a big, I listen to a podcast on YouTube guy. So if you're that same guy too, you can do it on there. I don't know if you've heard of Instacart or not, but it is amazing. It's a grocery delivery service where you can get your groceries delivered to you super fast and also with fresh produce. 
You can set up a time for it to be delivered or you can have them delivered to you on the day of, say you forget an ingredient for your Christmas dinner. We have an affiliate link posted down below so you can click on that and get yourself some groceries. Thanks so much for listening. Follow us on all socials at Strive Nation Pod and don't forget to like and subscribe. Feel free to show your support and check out our Patreon. And remember, when the world is upside down, Strive Nation is right side up. Have a good one, guys. Bye.